Well, I've had the weirdest reactions from people who know you're going to be on. Some of them say they'd be scared to sit and talk with you. Mm -hmm. uh, some people said you would bite my neck. Uh, um, it's not know, very, uh, yeah. very peculiar uh, kind of thing. Which is what you want, really, isn't it? Um, and what do you think I'm like? <laughs> well, I've only met you over the phone and a little bit backstage. And, and to me, you seemed like, um, I hope this doesn't insult you, um, a working yeah. actor. Uh, I mean, that's right, that's very good. Diamond Dogs by Bowie. Available on RCA Records and Tapes Worldwide. Diamond Dogs by Bowie. A Main Man production. Look out! The lever! Get away from that lever! You'll blow us all to atoms! Welcome everyone, this is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's great having you all with me again. I am in my home, and I have a guest here in my home. We just had a lovely meal out. We talk, we probably, we barely have voices. We were talking so much <laughs> during the meal, but I've known, uh, I've known this guy a long time. I'd like a welcome to the show, Oscar Herrera. Thanks welcome for having show, me. Oscar. I've been looking forward to this. Good, I've been looking forward to have you. And uh, Oscar uh, is the lead singer of the bands The Sleep of Reason, Halo, El Duende, and Black Tape for a Blue Girl, among others. Those are just some, but yeah. among X, others. X-Singer. There you go. X-Singer, <laughs> yeah. I know, we were both talking. We haven't actually, neither of us have made music for a while now, but what are you going to do? And uh, the current owner of Spin Alley Vintage Radios and Phonographs? Yes. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, and you, I, I know I heard you talking on uh, another podcast, and you got into it kind of like by accident, right? Yeah, yeah. I just um, started collecting old record players, and I started thinking, you know, what if, if I could restore one. And uh, I did my first one, and that was already like 12 years ago, and I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. So you got uh, Spin Alley Vintage Radios and Phonographs. You've got SpinAlleyStore.com. Correct. And they could find you, and yeah, and you got a picture of you wearing old timey clothes, right. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, it's awesome, and uh, I bet I bet people are into all that stuff, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah, especially young people. I would think it'd be just older people, but no, a lot of people in their twenties and thirties. They do, they do, because yeah. it's uh, fancy to them, yeah. exotic. It's exotic to them. Um, all right, but we're not here to talk about old timey phonographs or radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are we here to talk? What is the record you brought in? I know you had since I spoke to you a while ago. You'd gone through several different records, but yes, this is the one you you came down upon because there are so many. This one is uh, "Diamond Dogs" by David Bowie, which came out in 1974. So, this record is one of those records that, for me, like like a Night at the Opera by Queen and several others, like Captain Fantastic by Elton John, are, is an album. It takes you on a journey that every song is a different mood, and by the time you're finished, you feel like you've actually experienced a whole journey rather than just a bunch of songs. Right. Yeah. So I, uh, I was wondering, were you a Bowie fan? Uh, like, did you, did you come to this record when it came out or a little bit after? Or no, how did no. you discover it? I was, I was a late bloomer when it came to listening to the music. I didn't have an older sibling. So oh, okay, okay. my mother listened to Easy Listening around the house. My father, who had been a singer... He, you know, he had his own music, but he also listened to jazz and Latin music, things like that. So, but he would listen to pop music on the radio. Then when I was around 14 is when I really discovered music for the first time. And the first things I got into were Elton John and, and uh, the Beatles. 
was pretty much collecting everything going backwards because the Beatles obviously had already broken up. Um, and then my mother's, a friend of my mother's was selling her house and she had a big collection of records and I was flipping through them and I saw this one. And I had heard of Bowie, but I had never really listened to him. I wasn't familiar with him at all. Oh, okay. But I saw that cover, and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. Well, this cover right away, the yeah. cover just, yeah. It, it creeped me out. I oh, mean, so this was your first Bowie album? This was album my first Bowie album. Oh, so this okay. would have been like maybe two, a year and a half or two years after it came out. Okay. So I got into Bowie when this record came out and right before Young Americans. Right. So I came into Bowie late, but this was the first one. So okay. obviously your first one is always you know, your first love. Yeah. And it was the cover that really got me. It's like, and I totally creeped me out, but it's creepy. And right? the music is creepy. It, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I was, I was thinking it really, the, the cover gives you the creep and in a way the the, the record in itself gives it a creep, right. especially a young kid where this is your first exposure to Bowie. Yeah. It, it, and it, even though you, so you were listening to like Elton, John, the Beatles, but, but that was this, much more pop, and, right? And safer, safer yeah, sound. Yeah. So th this this cover, it was like, and I, when I first heard, it's it like I didn't understand, and it was like, but it's one of those things that my favorite albums always have been that at first I don't get it, and, and then the second time, oh, but God, and then you want to listen to it again. The real, and again, the real ones that yeah, get it's every true. single yeah, time. Same Last same night way. I was hearing this again, and I heard new things. So right. like, like every time there's something, it, it never ages. Now, did you did you know about the book 1984? Yes. Uh, okay, so you yes. did. Yeah. Yes. See, yes. Me, me too, because I uh, I had um, and also scary, terrifying, right? Yeah, very very <laughs> depressing. Not a happy ending. <laughs> All right, so this so explain uh, if anyone doesn't know this is kind of like a concept album, but he like because originally he wanted to do a 1984 yes. musical, right? right. So. This album is 38 minutes long, and there's so much to unpack about this. I mean, just where it was going. So right before this, he he was trying to break into America. Tony DeFries, who was his manager, was trying to break him into America. And the way they thought they was do, would do it is by doing a special on the Midnight Special that was just him. And it was called the 1980 Floor Show. Oh. And it was played once then, and then I think rebroadcast a month later, and never shown again. Let the Now you could find bits of it on YouTube, and I just recently found you can find all eight hours of the original footage unedited on YouTube. So at this point, he had pretty much disbanded the Spiders, except for Mick Ronson, who was in the performance. Right, because this album came after Ziggy Stardust and yes. Spiders of Mars, right? Okay. Right, and after, right after Pinups and Aladdin Sane. Okay. And Aladdin Sane still had the Spiders. So here he still had Mick Ronson. And it was the first time anybody heard music from from Diamond Dogs because the opening theme dance sequence was was 1984. Okay. The, the song 1984 slash Dodo, which were two songs that were they were like B sides. They were put together and uh, not released on this original album. But the original thing was called 1984 slash Dodo, and this is in that performance. So that's the first time anybody ever heard this. So that's one thing leading up to it. And he had been planning a Ziggy Stardust musical, which never came to fruition. The, supposedly, the songs Rebel, Rebel, and 
Rock and Roll With Me from Diamond Dogs were part of that Ziggy Stardust oh, music. I could see that. I could yeah. totally see that. Those are yeah. like the most kind of rock and roll songs. Right. At the same time, when he had just finished this, Rolling Stone reached out to him and to William Burroughs to do an interview together and to read each other's stuff. Oh. They weren't really familiar with each other. So William Burroughs read some of his lyrics. Bowie was given a bunch of books by William Burroughs, but only got to read one called Nova Express. But then they had this interview, and uh, Burroughs had, had been doing what was called the cut-up technique. Yes, right. Where, where they would take sentences and mix them up, and so Bowie got very influenced by that. He was influenced by The Wild Boys, which is a book that Burroughs wrote. Under the pretext of drug control, suppressive police states have been set up throughout the Western world. The precise programming of thought, feeling, and apparent sensory impressions by the technology outlined in Bulletin 2332 enables the police states to maintain a democratic facade from behind which they loudly denounce as criminals, perverts, and drug addicts anyone who opposes the control machine. Underground armies operate in the large cities, interbulating the police with false information through anonymous phone calls and letters. Police with drawn guns erupt at the senator's dinner party, a very special dinner party, too, that would tie up a sweet thing in surplus planes. We've been tipped off a nude reefer party is going on here. Take the place apart, boys, and you folks keep your clothes on or I'll blow your filthy guts out. So the characters in, Ninth, in Diamond Dogs are kind of influenced by that. And at the same time, he was trying to do a musical based on 1984, which is George Orwell's wife did not give him the rights to. Right, right. So this album is a mix of Burroughs, Wild Boys, and 1984, and bits of what was left of Ziggy Stardust. He completely... Throughout the bands, he played all the guitar except for on 1984. Right, Alan right. Parker. Alan Parker plays on 1984. And he, Alan Parker helped him with a riff for Rebel Rebel. So he played all the guitar on it, which is really grungy sounding. Yeah, really, yeah. Really dirty sounding, almost amateurish, which adds to that. It does, especially, yeah, especially on the opening track on uh, Diamond Dogs at first. It's yeah. like, you could tell that's not yeah. Mick Ronson for sure. Right, right. <laughs> but that's what adds to it. And that sound, it does, it does, that yeah. sound you can hear in many bands that came after, the vo- after that. The voice he uses on this record was later copied by Andrew Eldridge from you know, Sisters of Mercy and, and Peter Murphy from Bauhaus and that voice. hear this album to me every album leading up to this one was the formation of what david bowie became he became this is bowie full-on bowie right 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 full-on right. bowie there had never been anything like this the way he sang on this everything yeah and and that's uh and listening to it again because i had yeah i had this record uh also you know a couple years later i think the early 80s was when i discovered this record and i had already had uh ziggy stardust so mm-hmm. i knew that and i was a big fan of that and this record is not that it's different no, right but i remember i i really liked it it, it was raw like you said raw more mm-hmm. raw guitars and i was getting into punk then yeah. everything so i was all about it I liked it, but I didn't. And now listening to it, I realize his singing. Here's some great singing on this. Like this some of singing, his best this singing, singing right? this singing did not exist before this. I mean, in rock, right, right, and right. His early influence was was Andy, uh, Anthony Newley. 
who was a, <laughs> an ink no <laughs> yes if you listen to his early stuff like the laughing gnome like real early stuff yeah all this it was an affectation and he got yes. that from anthony Lou. right who right stop the world i want to get off he was an english singer what kind of fool am i who never fell in love it seems that i am the only one that i have been thinking of what kind of man is this an empty shell a lonely cell in which an empty heart must dwell on this one he masters that he gives it his own thing he sings in a deeper register than he had ever sung this is his most Bowie sounding voice. Right. And no one sounded like this. Yeah. No yeah, one in yeah, rock yeah. sounded like this. Yeah. So, all right. So it starts, so like we said, it's it's like a jumbled concept album. It's like a dystopian. I mean, there's still, there's still a lot of 1984 in this. Oh, yeah. Especially as, on side two. There are actually three songs named after, well, 1984, We Are the Dead, which is a phrase from 1984. Right, right. Exactly. And Big Brother. Exactly. Which is a character in but, um, But it starts out right away. I'll, I'll, play, I'll play it underneath with just this uh, spoken word thing. Okay. Also really scary and creepy, right? Right, right. Very um, scary and creepy. So he, set, he sets up the stage for this dystopian city that's called uh, Hunger City. And it's, it's being run by a gang of teenagers who wear these fur coats and go around on roller skates. He actually did sketches for this Wait, stuff. so how do you know all this? Cause this <laughs> no, because he had a show, uh, David is, a few, a, years, a few years ago before he died. And there were sketches of what this was going to be. Oh, okay. He had created... Because okay. I didn't know about any of this. Yeah, he created this city that was inspired by Fritz Lang and, and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And so this hunger city, that's what it looks like. And these, okay. these guys hang out on roller skates and furs, and they're like punks. Oh. So this predates the punk look. All right. So, but yeah, but uh, fleas the size of rats sucked on rats the size of cats and 10,000 peoploids yeah. split into a small tribes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really... Uh, and all right, so did you know... And it sounds... At first it sounds like loud when it's going into diamond dogs it sounds right. like it's a concert do you know where the crowd noise is from i just read and i forgot it. You, it's you a crowd know? noise is sampled from rod stewart that's right and the faces live album right. coast to coast and it's funny if you listen you could hear rod stewart saying oi oi uh right before uh the diamond the riff starts wow. in diamond dogs you could hear rod stewart, this is so not something great. i knew when i was 14 of course not of course not but but i i thought it was live actually i figured yeah. oh this must be a live album yeah uh, and then they say this ain't rock and roll this is genocide and then the song starts so let's uh, let's listen to that now let's listen to a little bit uh diamond dogs
cowbell. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You got the cowbell there, and like you said, there's a lot to just this song. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah. Well, his gu- his guitar, those little boing, I mean, like those little rough little like fills that he's doing. Yes. I mean, very. It sounds like what a band in this apocalyptic city would sound like if they decide, hey, let's get a band together. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember I actually learned that that riff, and it was, I could actually learn it. I was oh, never yeah? that great a guitar player, but I learned how to play that because it's pretty simple. And there, there's something interesting in the li- the lyrics where he says, "Dressed like a priest, he was Todd." Todd Browning's freak he was. Todd Browning was a director of a movie that came out at 35, 36 called yeah, freaks. freaks. Yeah, yeah. With actual freaks. And he also directed the first Dracula. Oh, okay. I didn't so, know I that. Mean, yeah, so this is like a really literary dude, you know? He, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and also the freak, you know, the freaks movie, that's where the Ramones got the Gabba Gabba, We Accept yeah. You, One of Us is yeah. from that also. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so he, he sort of introduces this character Halloween Jack. Yeah. Which never comes back. Which never comes back, <laughs> right. So maybe he had in his head he was going to do something with this guy, Halloween Jack, but he... You yeah, know. after the Sleeper Reason broke up, I thought, you know, I was really depressed and everything. I said, I think I'll put together a glitter cover band and we'll call ourselves Halloween Jack and the Real Cool Cats. But, oh, that would have been good. Yeah, huh? but it never happened. Well, <laughs> much like Bowie, you just let it go by. Yeah, yeah, let it go by. <laughs> yeah, right. So Halloween Jack uh, sort of comes and goes. And then uh, it, it, spe- it speaks about... Um, he meets this little hussy with his ghost town approach... Her face is sans feature, but she wears a dolly brooch. So they're dressed up. I mean, they dress up in furs. They dress up in jewels, whatever they can scavenge from, right, from these right, right, abandoned right. buildings and apartments and things like right. that. And he's sort of, so he's sort of drawing, uh, because he's still in the, gla- he's going to pretty soon move out of the whole glam thing, right? But he's yeah. still steeped in that now, right? Yeah, so th- yeah, that, I was going to mention that before. And he's, at the moment that he becomes his most Bowie-esque, by the next album, he completely drops all that and becomes Mr. White Soul, Plastic, yeah. Plastic Soul. That's Bowie. That was always that was, that was the genius of Bowie. And also, because we'd always mentioned he was a magpie, I guess you'd say, a yeah. bit of a magpie, just moving to things. And and he would, like like you said, he met William S. Burroughs, and yeah. he adapted. And you could see that in a lot of the whole cut and paste thing yeah. throughout the yeah. lyrics on this record. You could see that. Yeah. And so when he toured with this, he toured the United States. He never toured Diamond Dogs through England. And he had this massive set with like like I was mentioning the city. Right. He had he had a, a crane that, that during space oddity would take him to the top, and several times a crane got stuck. <laughs> like and so a it was a very <laughs> expensive show. So half after the first leg of the tour, he abandoned all that. Right. And he soulified and funkified the show. Yes. So okay. it was a Diamond Dog show, but with a soul bent. So when you hear live at the Tower of Philadelphia, which is the live album that came after this, it's this tour done in the way that Young America. Okay. It became yeah. more more soulish. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. still great, but different. Yeah, yeah. It would have been cool just to do if he had spent a year like I really touring this though, right? Right. I, I oh mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It would have been. Yeah. Uh all right, so now we get the the next three songs are kind of like a whole suite. It's that's, called yeah, I call it's the the sweet thing sweet. Yeah, the sweet thing sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh because you get a sweet thing a candidate and then the reprise of sweet thing. So it's basically a medley and um like I said, you could really hear the William Burroughs cut up in the um, and yeah, and the opening, to me, this is one in the top five of his vocal performances. Uh, yeah, right. I was going to say that. When this he comes when, in in that low register, he had never done that before. It was blowing, yeah, just as blowing my mind. Let's listen to the first uh, little bit of sweet. Thing. 
Like his vocal range going from those that deep yeah. part to that those high pitched part. It's Peter like Murphy's vocal style all came from those first four lines on that song. <laughs> oh right, right, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and then and so in the lyrics, he's talking about get it here thing. If you wanted boys, get it here thing. So what exactly does that mean? In London in the late sixties and early seventies, Miss Thing was actually like like coded language in the gay culture. Oh okay okay yeah, and. Uh, the, so they would call, you know, it's thing. So he's, he's saying, get, get it here thing. You know, oh, like, okay, right. Do you want it thing? So what, what's the sweet thing? What, what are we talking about? And he was playing with, you know, with, his, with sexuality. And with, yeah, this is already at the point where he sort of came out, where he said in the interviews that he was a bisexual, right? Yeah, and not, not only is he bisexual, he's also part dog now on the cover. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which actually brings me to the cover. Guy Pilliard, who was a Belgian artist, is, did the cover for this. And the way this happened is that he was going to be doing the cover for It's Only Rock and Roll, the Rolling Stones album. Yeah, if I could stick my hand in my heart, I'd spell it all over the stage. Would it satisfy you? Would it slide on by you? Would you think the boy is strange? Ain't it strange? Which is the Rolling Stones walking down this temple with all these virgins and Mick Jagger's, hey, we're using this artist to do as soon as Bowie heard that, he looked him up. Yes. And he, and he put out this record. And this cover came out before the Rolling Stones. Oh, record. nice, nice. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I guess originally uh, the the half dog had the uh, dog penis. Uh, yeah. And the record label made yeah. them airbrush it out. Right? Yeah, if you, if you can find that, it's, it's valuable. Later when it was reissued by Ryko Disc on CD, they put the penis back. But <laughs> Oh, okay. And it, yeah, it's just creepy. The the two, whatever they are behind him, those dogs, those are like... Cr- Freaks. Yeah, oh, like, my God. Yeah. So messed up looking, but awesome. All right, so now it starts... So it starts out kind of dark, and then it gets darker with... Uh, yeah, with Candidate. Uh, candidate, yeah. Uh, all right, we'll discuss it. Let's listen to a little bit of Candidate. <laughs> Like a street, there's a part at the end where I can meet you and your friends. 
wrote out scandals in other bars. We're having so much fun with the poisonous people, spreading rumors and lies and stories they made up. Some make you sing and some make you scream. One makes you wish that you've never been seen. But there's a shop on the corner that's selling tapioca machine. Gotta talk about a sax playing. Oh, I was just gonna I say love that. Sax I was just playing. gonna say that because I was looking <laughs> in the credits. Wait, Bowie's playing a lot of shit on this. Yeah, yeah. On this record, he's playing the sax. That's yeah, also Carly White's the, the most Bowie-esque album. He plays a lot of instruments, and he always had kind of this squonky sax sound, which I just love. It's great. He oh, used yeah, it a lot on pin, on pinups too. Yeah, it's the, so the good. The covers album right before. In the lyrics, he he talks about my set is amazing. He even smells like a street. Like he's almost talking about like a like a movie set. Right, right, right. You know, and like this completely fictitious stuff. And then he mentioned someone scrawled on the walls, I smell the blood of Le Tricotas. The tr- Le Tricotas is a French term for women who were knitting during the French Revolution and they would sit in the galleries while trials were going on and they would sit next to the guillotines while people were being beheaded. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, okay. I saw it's like, what is that? <laughs> and then he mentions about uh, the shop on the corner making bulletproof faces. Yeah, yeah. A paper mache of Charlie, Charlie Manson, Manson and Cassius, and Cassius Clay. Clay. So yeah, he's, uh, he's leaning into the uh, American uh, iconic, uh, you know, both yeah. uh, the good the and the, the evil. Yeah, the good and the bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's cool. It's very. I, I love how theatrical it all it is. Like you could you could picture it as a as a show, as a yeah. theatrical show going yeah, on, yeah. and then and then it bleeds into the reprise of Sweet Thing, which uh, let's listen to a little bit of that now. This the reprise. everything feels like it's almost like it's like slowing yeah. down a little yeah. and it's very uh, dramatic and we need to mention mike garson who's a pianist on this oh okay, okay yeah mike garson i think first played with him on aladdin sane and played on the title track aladdin sane with his crazy latin influence so long he was a, he's a jazz musician oh okay okay and he's toured during the last years he was still touring with him in fact a few years ago at parker playhouse there was the bowie band got together Mike Garson was a musical director oh nice but all that piano that's that's him I mean oh, okay. he, he adds theatrical well, sounds B- like. Bowie always managed to find like really great players yeah. right and utilize them uh, great um, alright so now we get the the rock and roll song that I, I've read I know some of you have said this sort of feels out of place on the record I don't, I don't think so, but I could see why someone would say that because it's almost like a freestanding rock song yeah thematically it is Musically, I don't think it does, especially the, the, the way it goes into it. 
Yeah, yeah. But it's still playing with with gender, and it's still talking about rebellion. So, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and but uh, it's also totally. So what the riff is kind of like a Stonesy riff. So this is kind of like his like uh, flip uh, flip off yeah, to this, Mick this Jagger, is, right? Yeah, yeah. And then from the last three notes in the riff, I think that Alan Parker, the other guitarist, help him finish. Alan it. Parker helped him finish it. That down, 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 which which really right. you know finishes it. It's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. It's so great. One of, one of the great uh, rock and roll. Uh, riffs, mm-hmm. right? All right, let's listen. Everyone know, you all know this. Rebel Rock. Great that also that that bend before going back into it. Yeah. That's, that's that's magic. Yeah, and that's and magic. this is it's a simple song. It just repeats the lyrics. It's totally simple, Pro- right? Chord progression is simple. No bridge. No totally break. rocks. Yeah. But and it's got something I've always I always admired about Bowie as a performance. It's got swagger. I mean, just the, oh, yeah, it's got like yeah. total rock and roll. It's like if I were going to cover a song, I would definitely want to cover this because it's just it's just. It's just great. Oh yeah, it's totally rock and roll, and and as you said, it fits in as far as you know. You you've got your mother in the world. She's not sure if you're a boy or girl. It's like it's hard. It's hard to remember. Like now, it, like think in the seventies. Yeah. Someone you know, not sure, boy or girl, like playing with gender and stuff. That yeah. was like crazy. Like yeah. out of the, like they would put you in a mental hospital now. You know. Now you know. As far obviously, there's still there's still issues. We still have issues with that and everything. Yeah. But it's not anything like it was then. It's more you know. It's more known and people know about it. But this back then, this was something that you really had to be either brave or crazy to like uh, you know come uh, come out like this and just be. And I mean, you could also say that maybe the the two characters in this are part of this gang you know they're, right, they're right, rebelling right. and you know yeah, yeah, yeah. hey you know we had enough of the skating around let's go have fun right. <laughs> hey everyone rob here you know bringing that record got me high to you every week is a labor of love for me but it also takes a lot of work and money with web posting fees software subscriptions and especially purchasing the music that we feature luckily i'm able to continue producing this show every week thanks to our fabulous patrons now i know what you're thinking rob why don't you just start getting sponsors like other podcasts Well, mainly because I don't think anyone really needs to hear more ads for CBD oil and men's grooming accessories and whatnot. So for now, I'm sticking with Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH or just go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com and search for That Record Got Me High podcast. For as little as $2 a month, 
you too can become a patron of the show. You'll get a personal thank you from yours truly. You'll get our bi-monthly newsletter. You'll get to participate in all of our awesome patron-curated episodes. And most importantly, you'll become part of the That Record Got Me High family and help keep the show running. So do me a solid, please. Consider becoming a patron today. All right, so uh, now we flip it over, and side two, we have the, the very theatrical. This one reminds me of uh, Jim Steinman. Like, it could be like yeah, a Jim Steinman right. song. And I almost hear it like, imagine a doo-wop band doing this. You know, straight-on doo-wop band. When you rock and roll. Oh, okay, well, let's listen to it, and let's imagine that right now. We'll rock and roll with me. See it. I could picture it. I could yeah. picture it. This this song is kind of like the sister song to Rock and Roll Suicide from Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Well, that's and, and is this so? Is this one of the one that could have been part of the Ziggy Stardust uh, uh, show? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And it's 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 basically a rock ballad, and yeah, it's, it's a rock ballad. But the ballad it seems that like he's singing to his audience because he's talking about, I would you know one tenth of thousands found me in demand. You know, is he singing to his audience? Right. 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 The well, cue, and the queue is out of sight. Like his his line, his queue, his concert queue is out of sight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And also, um, I had noticed it's one of the rare co-writes. So Warren Peace. Warren Peace. And he that, calls himself Warren Peace. His yeah, real I, name is Jeff uh, McCormack. Right. And yeah. The, Do you know anything about this guy? That they were friends. And this is actually the first song he co-wrote on an album. Oh, okay. So that's kind of a big deal. But, yeah, but uh, they have been friends from back in the London days. Okay. Yeah, so you know what? I, I wrote in here that it's a brief... Because you could say it's like a celebration of Winston and Julia the, yeah. you know, from uh, 1984, but it's also his own fabulousness as a rock star. Right. <laughs> and one of the things that Winston wanted to do in 1984 is find themselves a room to rent, a place that they could be apart. Exactly. They could live with the proles apart from yep. know, the controlling people. Oh, God. Was that? I'll tell you what. That book, That uh, uh, as a young kid reading that book... Because that book is devastating. I, I read it like later when I was older. I reread mm. it. That is not a happy. Like, not at all. Talk about not ha uh, no. having a good ending. No one, you know, no one ends well. Love loses. Love loses out. Total uh, totalitarianism wins out. 
It's what a bleak yeah. book. Did you ever see the movie that came out in the late 80s? I did. I remember the with, movie. Yeah. With the Eurythmic song. With the Eurythmics, Actually, they yeah. did the whole soundtrack. They did, yeah. <laughs> All right, so speaking of that, We Are the Dead, as you said, that's the last words Winston Smith says to Julia before they're caught by the Thought Police. Yeah, so, so this is a direct reference to 1984. Yep, let's listen to it, even though he didn't get the rights officially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, he's, he's Bowie. We'll listen to We Are the Dead. Deceive your next of kin, but you're dancing where the dogs decay, defecating ecstasy. You're just an ally of the league. I can't think of any other song that's ever said defecating ecstasy. I know, right? <laughs> and then the next one, and towards the end of this phrase, it'll say, loving your fuck me pumps. This was years before Amy Winehouse's song, Fuck Me Pumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so really, uh, as we said, 1984, dark. Uh, and these are very dark, uh, poetic, very poetic, but very darkly poetic. And it's, it's basically a love song. In a bizarre way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is, yeah, We Are the Dead. Yeah, because it, at this point, Winston and Julia still love each other. It's like right. they get that beaten out of the tortured out of them eventually. Yeah. But um, I was uh, I was going to ask you, Oscar, what did your, I know you said your dad was into uh, uh, music. Did your parents, did, did you like introduce this to your parents at all? What did your parents think when you came home with this record? Did they, you know? We lived in a two-bedroom duplex and the stereo the old console stereo was in the living room and i'd be playing this stuff blasting it and we had my grandparents living there my parents living there so they all had to suffer through this oh okay yeah yeah so uh <laughs> they did though they did that's awesome. they put up with it yeah. that's great yeah they didn't say turn this when they got to- no and they, they might say turn turn it down a little bit right. they were very supportive okay cool yeah. that's awesome all right so now we get 1980 oscar i'm just going to go on record uh, saying a musical version of 1984 would be a, a depressing, like the most depressing musical era ever. Right, would right. That, what kind of musical would that be? <laughs> exactly. Who would want to go see that? I know. Which is why you take the theme song and you give it a shaft feel to it. You know, oh, a shaft. Like with a said, waka 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 so guitar. <laughs> Alan Parker. This is Alan Parker playing guitar in this, right? Right. And yeah. it's got like a little black exploitation. This this is towards the end of black exploitation. What was you know what was happening? But okay. Yeah, but but this also. So you sort of feel uh, the sort of the direction the plastic 
agnostic soul direction yeah. he's going in Definitely. for young Americans Definitely. on this one, right? Yeah. All right. This is into 1984. Tina Turner covered this on her like really? comeback album. Yeah, a private. Da- this is on Private Dancer. Oh, that I've never heard. Yes, <laughs> Tina Turner. I think you. I bet you listen to it and you say, "Oh yeah, I, I have heard that," but wow. you just forgot it because wow. I because I forgot it. And it's so funny, I read, basically, this is her comeback record, and they wanted to do contemporary. So they said it was like 19, it was going to be released in 1984. They said, why don't you cover 1984? It's funny, because this album, let's talk about a future 10 years from the point this album came out. It's, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's, everything's going to change in 10 years. But I know, right? Thank God it didn't go that way. Now, something I was going to ask you, because obviously the bands you were in, um, Sleep of Reason, Black Tape for Blue Girl, theatrical. Very, You've always been theatrical. Would you say did Bowie like have? Uh, inf- I'm sure he. I'm sure in a lot of ways he did influence you. But do you feel like you kind of found? You know, sometimes you sort of find someone. You know that that uh, you sort of find your muse and someone that has the same sensibilities as as you. Do you think it was yeah. more that? Like you found Bowie and it's like, yeah, you, yeah. right? I feel like that. It, it was, I feel like that's you. With, right. With the sleep of reason, there were certain moments, performing wise and dressing wise, that. It was basically, Bowie allows me to do this. Right, okay. <laughs> you know? okay. Because he did it, this is cool and this is you know, acceptable right. and we can do this. But you, know? but you were, uh, I feel like you were probably, oh, in a way, you, you like how to find, so if you hadn't found Bowie, you would have found, it would have been uh, Peter Murphy or would have been, yeah. you know. Some, yeah. yeah, one of his children. Yeah, yeah exactly, right, yeah. exactly. Okay. By the way, on, on this song, uh, the string arrangements are by Tony Visconti, who had, had worked with Bowie in a while. Uh, I think Ken Scott was his producer on Ziggy Stardust. And then he wasn't working with Tony Visconti. Okay, Tony but then Visconti. from here forward, from he was working for a lot, right? Yeah, I okay. think from this point on, it was everything except for the Mount Rogers one. <laughs> right, let's <laughs> dance. Okay. okay, so he did. Oh, yeah, okay, so he did the strings and everything on it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. So this, I mean, so this was a real transition uh, mm-hmm. album for him, right? Mm-hmm. 
All right. So now we get the other Broadway, more like Broadway. Uh, what can I say? It's it's kind of like a Broadway ballad, almost like it's, a rock ballad, I, but like a Broadway rock I, ballad. I find it very, it's got that Mellotron doing that fanfare of those voices. I almost, when I heard this as a kid, I always imagined some sort of fascist square with all these oh, rallies, yeah. you oh, know, yeah. and horns and, you know, like the signs and I mean, right. the, the banners and stuff, because you hear these horns, it's like, here, come right. approaching Big Brother, you know. And in the book, Big Brother is not really one person. No, no. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not. It's a yeah. concept. It is. It is a horrifying concept. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, Bowie has gotten, over the years, at, at times, he got um, he got some flack for sort of leaning into the the fascism fascism a little too much. Yeah. But I I I believe to him it it was all about art and right, right. aesthetic. And he you know he wasn't making some state or if he is making a statement, it's more of an artistic statement. It's more of an, a statement on how things are. But I never you know I I think that's unfair to like take an artist and say well you're 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 doing this imagery all this fascistic Im- imagery you're. It's just that it's, You're pow- a fascist. it's powerful imagery. <laughs> it is. It's powerful imagery. Yeah. And he knew that. And uh, yeah, and it, it is powerful and it's scary. Mm-hmm. But when you want to make something scary, rock and roll, right, what do you right, do? Right. You know, you do something <laughs> like that. So, yeah, I figured I figured you'd agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's listen to Big Brother. So they're singing about the like the dangerous, intoxicating charisma of absolute power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and yeah, and that's something and fascinating that he was fascinated. And I'm I'm not sure what he means by I mean build a glass asylum like where we can all be with just a hint of mayhem. I'm not sure. I mean in a, in a controlled society, you really don't want mayhem. Right, right, but just a hint of it, maybe just a hint of yeah. it to uh, give, give the pearls a little bit of what they want, you know. Exactly, <laughs> which kind of I, you know, when you when you dig into things like this, and when you read, it's so crazy how you sort of feel like you're in a way you're living in it all now. You know, yeah. you're living in it right now. And as far as being controlled, it's like, well, you know, I would never, I would never fall for that. I would never fall for Big Brother. But it's like, you know, in a way, haven't we all already? Yeah, Facebook is Big Brother. Instagram's Big Brother. Exactly. Everybody's there's a watching. show, there's a reality show called Big Brother. <laughs> and it's like, every, it's fun and everyone yeah, yeah. laughs about it and everything. But yeah. it's called Big Brother. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the closing song. <laughs> yeah, well... 
yeah, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention something. So uh, the guitar player Alan Parker, I guess he, he, even though he played on one song in here, he ended up playing with him. Did he play on the on the tour when they would tour this? Was he playing with them live or was he just? I think so. I think and he was involved because I, I remember they were asking him about it, and he was just saying how a lot of this. He didn't know what Bowie was doing. Like he didn't know, he didn't get it. And I'm thinking that when I'm listening to some of this, I'm thinking, could you imagine? I bet people in the studio are like, "What? What's going on?" Because he's playing a lot of the instruments himself. He's yeah. doing, and you know, it, it's like it takes so much bravery to do something where no, well, this is what I do. I I know what I'm doing. Don't worry, I know what I'm doing. But this must seem crazy to everyone else, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. On, on when he did Lodger, there was a song he told everybody to play the instrument that they were most uncomfortable with. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> and yeah. that's how they recorded it. Boys keep swinging. Yeah. Yeah. Heaven loves you. The clouds part for you. Nothing stands in the way when you're a boy. Clothes always fit you. Life is a pop of the cherry. So that's, uh, I mean, that's the the um, genius of Bowie and Miss. I, you know, I just was mentioning the other day. So I, like, I know everyone. People have said this before, but every, when Bowie and Prince died, everything went to shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it happened all in the same year. It's incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so now we got chant of the ever circling, uh, circling skeletal family. It comes at the end, and it's you know what time signature is this song? I, I, I think, think it's, it's two different ones. Yeah, like six eight or I think five, it's five four and six four. Okay. Uh, very hypnotic and uh, and I think it's it's supposed to be reminiscent of the two minutes hate. Uh, that's what I think they're doing because it's like and you got that distorted guitar loop. Well, let's listen to a little bit of it and then we can discuss it more. And try to and try to find the the clavin on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> got a guido in there like oh right right it, it, what's that called there's a name for that guido oh yeah. okay nice. yeah it's like a gourd with uh, hatches on it yeah yeah strike a stick across i know it. it is i never knew it had a name guido, yeah <laughs> nice and then the little wood thing in the back the clave every time i've ever listened to it i always try to follow the, the numbers and they go changing oh okay okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> um did you have so I read that the, on the original LP the word brother like repeats it's got like a stuck needle effect at the end they do it do you were you aware of that do you know no I, just, I mean if I remember it just fades out on my record okay because it said similar to uh, Sergeant Pepper uh, I guess they had it where it would be a, a, a stuck needle yeah uh, I don't know no uh, this, I think this one it would just fade out okay. I mean it does because I played it last night and it, on an automatic record changer on, on one of your 
old timey uh, on a 1969 Magnum Oxide. Good, good for you. <laughs> so yeah, this is like uh, after Winston is brainwashed uh, by the party, and he finally accepts Big Brother, and then he's executed. But they couldn't execute him until he accepted Big right, Brother. Right. So this is the accepting of it. Now, where that title came from, the chant of the ever circling skeleton, I have no idea. I think it's a really cool title. It is. It's a really cool title, right? Uh, yeah, and it, and it sort of conjures up uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of this whole record conjures up uh, so many images and and it conjures imagery. up the, the the chance you were talking about in Freak in Freaks. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Which, yeah, uh, Bowie loved all that shit. <laughs> so, like I said, he he toured with this, and then halfway through, he ditches the whole sound. It makes it soul, and by the next album, it's Young Americans, and it's no longer this. Exactly, and still, uh, but you know, that's fine. That's cool. That's what you want. You're really great. I always say that's what you want your great artists to do. You oh, want yeah. them to just keep going on to the next thing, and not just yeah. I mean, imagine if he just kept doing Ziggy being Ziggy Stardust for the next twenty years until he was like an old guy doing yeah. Ziggy Stardust. This is pretty much like the, probably the death knell for glitter rock. I mean, you could say Rebel Rebel is probably like the last great glitter rock. Right. Song. I was thinking that. And also, you know, some things I always like to point out, things like this. He was uh, 27 years old when he made this record. Oh, my God. <laughs> that wasn't that Thanks crazy. for pointing it out. I know. Yeah. I always do because Jesus. it's like that's a difference, you know, between mortals and, <laughs> and immortals. You know, yeah. And immortals. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's just crazy. Well, uh, Oscar, this was great. It yeah. was great. We finally broke your... Uh, that record got me high cherry. Uh, was it and everything? It, it didn't even hurt. hurt. No, it didn't hurt, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm very smooth. <laughs> so don't forget, uh, besides Spin Alley, so it's spinalleystore.com. Mm-hmm. That's for... Uh, and it really is cool to check out. If you're into uh, vintage radio, vintage... What do you call it? Record players, phonographs. Phonographs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. And now, is there uh, maybe some black tape for a blue girl coming out? New stuff or it's reissues? actually a reissue. Yeah, um, a chaos of desire, which was originally issued, I think, nineteen ninety or ninety one on CD, is now going to be reissued at the end of the year on vinyl. Oh, nice! It was done okay. as a Kickstarter campaign and it was totally funded. Sam from Black Tape has been doing that with the original CDs, so I'm on it, and you can actually listen to it on Spotify now. With the extra tracks, or some extra tracks with just acapella vocals, like oh, okay. studio stuff, it's pretty. But cool. But you know, and where would people go to to get the vinyl? You know where they go? Project. Oh, project. Okay. Project with a K. Dot com. There you go. Yeah. And uh, me, you know, you could always find me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high on Twitter. It's at TRGMH Podcast. I wouldn't recommend going on Twitter right now, though. It's very, <laughs> it's a shit show on there right now. <laughs> you can email me at trgmh33 at gmail dot com. Don't forget, most important, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Become a patron. We just did a really fun uh, non-English episode where people send in their songs not in English. Great. I got the most submissions ever, and it's a really fun episode. So you should definitely check that out. And if you want to participate, become a patron of the show. I would appreciate it. Don't forget just to uh, rate the show. You should 
review. I haven't gotten reviews in a while. Write a review. If you listen to it, write a review. It doesn't even make stuff up. It doesn't matter. Pretend, even if you don't like it that much, just, you know, pretend you like it. Don't write a bad. You ever want, why would someone take the time and write a bad review of something? I don't know. People, I mean, not for me. I haven't gotten a bad review, but I'm, but I've seen them. I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand you, yeah. that you have this feeling that you need. You would to have do to that. have a lot of hate in your heart for <laughs> exactly. that, right? Exactly. <laughs> when I don't like something, I just ignore it. Thank that's you. It. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, once again, Oscar, it was a pleasure having you Thank on, you. and Thank congratulations, you. you're Oscar is going to be a grandpa for soon. the third time by the end of the year. Yeah. By the end of the year, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Three little girls. When it yeah. rains, when it rains, it pours. Oh yeah, it pours girls. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Rob Elba. We're out of here.